Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The loud frequency coming from your radio is not a mistake. Do not turn off your radio, but instead turn up your radio as loud as it can go. Do this so we can broadcast this frequency as loud as possible. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And welcome to another episode of Game Stuff. I'm your gaming gal, Kalai. And with me today is Roberto. What's up, Roberto? Shaken, not stirred would be the way to describe how things are. Doing okay. And Joe, how are you today, Joe? Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. And we have the Canadian in the house. Uh, Corey, what's up? Holy shit, you <laughs> forgot his name. Oh my god. We, Margaritaville's already come too far. Wasting away again in Margaritaville Looking for my lost sacred of salt This is going to be one hell of an episode, guys. Be ready. Yes. Today is Cinco de Mayo, and everybody insisted that we record today, which is fine, except I'm about to get my third margarita, so this is going to be Oh, speak of the devil. Speak of the devil. Okay. Before we get into our topic of the show, which is we're going to be discussing Jeff Keighley's new plans about uh, his substitution for E3 this year. Um, let's, uh, let's get started with our backlog beatdown. Um, see here, I am really bad today, guys. I am so sorry. It's okay. I put in, wor- I put in work this week, so. So did I. We have JT at 58. CJ Anderson at 55, Dell at 30, Joe at 28, me at 20. Still eight ahead of you. Still eight ahead of me, but I'm coming for you, Joe. I got five clips in the chamber right now. That sounds dirty. (laughs) (laughs) We have James McCall with 18, Tricky Mick with 14, Roberto with 12, Gareth with 11, Homer gets stuffed with 7, Levi with 6, Glenn with five. Glenn is coming up in the ranks here. He's a good friend of mine, actually. T-Bird with four. Andrew Middlemoss with three. Jim with three. Derek with one. Joshua Crafts with one. Corey with one, but he's thrown in the towel. I've thrown in the... Okay, just so everybody knows, I've thrown in the towel because on my PS4 library, I actually haven't bought that many games to other people. So for me to win, I actually have to purchase new games. Um, and because of that, um, I'm still beating a lot of games. I mean, <coughs> bullshit. This, this year I'm at like Joe, 10 games this year for beating. Joe, can I ask you a question? Sure. You, now, the point of the backlog beatdown isn't necessary to play your PS4. You can play systems like the PS3. Am I correct, Joe? Uh, you are correct. And Corey, stop being a bitch. Cause you have like a huge <laughs> PS4 backlog. Stop lying. You just don't want to play those right. games. <laughs> Okay, so I have a smaller than wanting to play a PS3 backlog, or PS4 backlog, but yes, my PS3 backlog is huge, so I've now moved to the PS3 um, to get some of those games done um, and put away, so um, I'm still, you know what, if it comes to the point 
where I feel like I will be a positive number, I will then go ahead and put myself back in the races. But until I think that you point, should declare your I think you should declare yourself or uh, be legit. Do it. You put in some work this year, man. I think you should do it. I mean, I've beat so far, I think, altogether, I've beat 13 games this year. So far. But. Pretty good. But I've bought 18 games so far this year. So. um, A negative three. Sitting (laughs) at the negative three. So. um. But I mean, it, it is nice to that. It does mean that. I mean, the nice thing I've been finding with the backlog beat out being the way it is, uh, any new game I've been buying, I mean, I've been just uh, right away beating it. Like Joe's watched me sit there and buy Final Fantasy seven, beat it in two days, bought Need for Speed Heat, beat it in a day and a half, uh, bought Dragon Ball Z Xenoverse two, uh, beat that in a day and a half. You beat so, those balls in a day and a half. Yeah, I beat all those dragons. And got covered in their ball juice. Alright, uh, we have Simon at 1, Veronica at 0, Zachary Ledford at minus 1, and Daniel Jones at minus 2. So, thank you guys who are participating. Thank you for joining the backlog. Beat down. I hope we're ha- you're having fun. We are trying to make this a fun experience, and we are trying to make it specific to your backlog, which is really hard to do. So, keep playing those games, and if you have any suggestions or anything, just let us know in the uh, in the Facebook Let's get our party started as we always do with uh, Roberto. Have you been playing anything fun this week? It's been a small Christmas time for me. <laughs> I got a lot of stuff to well, tell you about. Well, uh, now are you going to be telling us stuff on the Switch? Um, not yet, because there's some stuff I am playing, but it's not out yet till like May 9th or whatever, and I don't want to... Because last episode you did promise you'd be talking about your Switch stuff you're playing. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh, um... The, the what was I talking about? Broken was it Broken Lines? <laughs> yeah, did I mention Broken Lines already? No, you did not. What is Broken Lines? I kind of sworn I mentioned Broken Lines. Oh, okay. Um, dude, I'm three margaritas in. You could have mentioned anything at this point, and I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, because I really, I think I did. I mentioned a couple of Switch games. Um, that in last time I could have sworn I mentioned uh, Broken Lines because that was a the tactical strategy game that was like Frozen, Frozen Synapse Prime. Yeah, you mentioned that last week. Yeah, so there you go. Um, (laughs) I mean, I will have. There are some games I am playing that aren't available yet. Um, and I don't want to like you know kind of like compromise anything. So, um, but rest assured, I think like next week's to be exclusively Switch. But for the time being, now though, um, I got a lot of stuff I played on PS4. Uh, so for the last week, um, I was I received a couple of review codes, and I can talk to you about. A bunch of games. So first up is John Wick Hex. Oh, what? Please tell me it's good. It's good. Thank it's God. It's very good. Now, granted, uh oh, it's you have to. It, it's a tactical turn-based game, but it's best played in expedite mode, where you have only seven <sighs> seconds to make a decision on what moves you're going to make. Oh, the active time battle mode that they talked about. Yeah, like, you can play the core game, which plays more like a regular turn-based, tactical turn-based, like, like XCOM, in a sense. Or Expedite Mode, which gives you seven seconds to make a decision. After which, then, you know, the enemies move closer, and then you have to kind of feverishly figure out what you're going to do. So, uh, John Wick Hex takes place before the first movie. It does 
like at least what it sounds like it does feature the the voices of some of the supporting characters like uh the i don't remember his name but he's in destiny 2 a lot and he's um he's the guy you hear in the the u.s marines commercials um oh my god but the 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 front desk guy have you ever seen the movies okay well, um, who does he voice in uh destiny the 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 the, the titan guard he's the, he's the purple guy Oh, oh yeah, I can't remember who does that voice, but I know what one you're talking about now. Yeah, the um anyway, so he's definitely in it and then uh it actually is told in a in a graphic novel style uh interface, but now as for the gameplay, it's a tactical turn-based game that happens very very quickly. So, how it works is your um Hex is this kind of like in like this mob boss that's that's been very is very dangerous and he, like see people were the assassin world regarded him as a myth you begin the game with discovering that john wick's uh buddies have been captured um if you remember that was um if you remember the the two friends that were actually in the um in the movie i'm gonna just pull up their names real quick there's keanu reeves once again you know he's john wick but then um just a moment <laughs> I like of course I talk about this now I'm on a be- I'm having a beer myself. Um you- <laughs> wait. Okay, I ch- I should I should have chosen another one. Um okay, let's talk about the gameplay while I, while I get to that. So, the gameplay at least it's that you move around in each level and the co- the, the haze of of war if you if you will deteriorates as you move about the level. There are enemies about. So, the Enemies arrive and you have the opportunity to make decisions really quickly. You can either fight them with hand-to-hand combat or shoot them. During this course, you can use uh, bandages and also do, uh, refocus your focus meter, which allows you to, um, which allows you to, uh, you know, make the the necessary shots. But this, it's the XCOM plays are still there, where like you know you can hit someone or you can miss. But ultimately, this gives you a lot of tactical options. If you're close to somebody, you can hit, punch them, take them down. Uh, maybe even throw their, your gun at them to, to kind of distract them, and then subsequently use, you know, com, you know, close quarters combat to fight them. It's a really stylish game. Once again, it's told in a graphic novel style. It has a lot of interesting, the, the different, like, pulping colors, the purples and the pinks and reds and things like that. And the music, of course, that, like, that kind of hard rock type soundtrack plays in the, in the game. It's uh, really responsive. It's challenging. It's not easy, but it is something that is fun enough, is fun and enjoyable. And then it challenges you to get the higher ranking. Like right now, I like there's a trophy to get Baba Ye- the Baba Yaga ranking for everything, which I don't know what that consists of, but that's in the game. Ultimately, though, I really liked it. Um, I completed the first uh, conti- like the first ten levels, and there's boss fights. There's uh, the ability to pick up multiple firearms. There's the ability to uh, upgrade your character. And things of that sort. It's a fast game. It's a responsive game. There will be some that argue and say, "Why don't we have a John Wick action game?" But it's this is kind of cool because you get to decide how you're going to respond to a situation. So it's pretty neat. And then once again, so um, Winston. So just to go back to what I was trying to talk to you before, the, the characters that were captured, Winston, uh, John Wick's buddy, who was played by Ian McShane. I think he's in the game. It sounds a lot like him, but um, I mean, the character Winston's in there, and then. Um, as for the guy that we were talking about from the uh, 
from the uh, um, the hotel, the, the the U.S. Marines guy. He was also in um. Oh my God, I still can't find his name. <laughs> I'll move on to the next game while I try and find the next. Uh, while I try and find this out. But in any case, uh, the next game I'm going to talk about is Iron Fury. You, oh, I've heard of this game. Yeah. yeah. I've never played it. Rings a bell. So, like the good Doom. news is that um, it's, uh, the, the game runs great on the, on the PlayStation 4, and it's going to be on the Nintendo Switch. It, it might be on the Switch now, if I'm not mistaken, or at least the Switch on Thursday. But uh, it's a fantastic game. So, uh, is anyone familiar with the game? Other than uh, Kalai? I mean, you heard of it, but... Uh, yeah, it's kind of like Doom and Quake. Oh, okay. Well, I, I, I just, like, rings a bell, like... Wise or more, or if you want to attune it more to like Wolfenstein, correct, Roberto? Yeah, um, yeah. So it's uh it's actually framed um, of uh, based on Duke Nukem. Ooh, I like those types of games. So, as a matter of fact, the engine, the build engine, is what powers this game of 2020. Oh, so okay. it's actually pretty. I think it's pretty cool. So, um, yeah, so the, uh, what this is is that uh, it's a first-person shooter. It's a cyberpunk first-person shooter that takes place in a dystopic Washington, D.C. The cyborgs have taken over, and you're... Did you to, just say dystopic? Dystopic, dystopic. Dystopia, dystopia, dystopia. Tomato, tomato. Dystopia. Uh, uh, dystopic is, is a topic you don't want to talk about. Dystopic. Ah, okay, okay. Very funny. Um, <laughs> it's margarita so, time on game stuff. Yeah. So then, anyways, um, so there's so what it is is that you are, um, oh my god, I, forgot her, I already forgot her full name, but Jane Bombshell something ramirez or something like some kind of name like that like i forgot her name but yeah so your 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 nick um your nickname is bombshell that's your middle name and what you do of course is that you kick ass and take names so in I iron bubble fury, yeah well in iron fury uh you are a cybernetically enhanced uh warrior fighter soldier and you've got a lot of combat experience and your objective is to fight back in washington dc so the game is remarkably well done on the system. It's fast. It's responsive. I have no kind of issues, anything at all. It's old-fashioned, lightning-fast. you got to move fast and, 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 and spray and pray type of uh, gameplay. The uh, weapons are really cool to use. Uh, I'm still working on the game so far. I have to still complete the, uh, you know, the, the first big sector of the game. But... Um, it's uh it's a remarkable game. The sound effects, the the the, the visuals, the gameplay, it's all really, really good. It's old fashioned difficulty too. You have to find health packs, you have to find ammo, you have to find secrets. So it's definitely a game that if you have fondness for the Doom days, the Duke Nukem days, you really want to pick this up. And it's on the, it should be on the Switch too. But uh, what's fascinating about this game is this this engine's like more than twenty years old. And the team I was gonna say point point, with the engine, like because you're talking when you're saying because just for people out there, when you're saying Doom, Duke Nukem, and Wolfenstein and stuff like that, we're talking about like the old, old engine Doom and like Duke Nukem yeah. 3D engine, not right brand that's new the Duke that Nukem. This uses. Yeah, 
so um so th these guys have just kept with the engine and just worked it optimized it adapted it for different operating systems and things like that and it's um it's 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 a good thing it's 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 a good you know these guys have just worked ins and outs and and sought all different ways of how to apply the engine to different places and uh yeah they they made it into iron fury this game was originally called iron maiden but then uh the actual iron maiden rock band said that this was going to cause like confusion amongst uh the people blah 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 and then to avoid a lawsuit they decided to call it iron fury so um but so so in case anyone remembers a game called iron maiden this is the same game they just changed the title Oh, okay, because I I think um, I remember that. That's why I was like, I'm like, I don't remember this. I am Fury, but I do remember a game that was like in the description of what you're talking about. So now, yeah. So there was another twin stick shooter called Bombshell, which I guess like it, it it which was on PC, and I guess it was an okay twin stick shooter, not the greatest, or something. Something happened with that, and then they translated that into I am Fury. So. Um, they meant to put Bombshell on on console for a long time. It hasn't happened yet, but um, in any case, great, great game. Um, I highly recommend it. It's, it's very, very strong. By the way, going back to the uh, John Wick thing and the uh, character I was mentioning, um, that was Lance Reddick, the guy that was at the hotel. That's yes. oh, good evening, Mister Week. So he speaks like that. So um, he's unmistakably in the game. <laughs> you know, like you you hear him, and it's like, yeah, that that's totally him. So, um, no, it turns out he was in Horizon Zero Dawn, too. Um, Asylums, and he was in Godzilla vs. Kong. Or he's going to be in Godzilla vs. Kong. Oh, good for him. Anyway, um, so moving on from that, we are going to go ahead and look really quickly and uh, move this along to another game I've been playing and enjoying uh, very, very much so. Uh, SnowRunner. Now, just, just, um, I, I would like your review of this game. Now, what I would like you to also do, Roberto, is, um, if you can be super wasted and see if it impedes your playing of the game. <laughs> okay, so here's the case with SnowRunner. I'm gonna get, like, get some of the bad out of the way. The starter trucks suck. You get a pickup truck that can do pickup truck things. You then get access to two utility trucks. The problem with these trucks is you don't have off-road... They don't... Yeah. So, SnowRunner is a sequel to MudRunner, which is also on the Switch. And it is a truck-driving video game where you drive trucks in the mud on various ob objectives. Uh, delivering supplies, refueling or repairing, towing something. It's... Basically, vehicular Animal Crossing, if you ask me. That, 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 that's what it feels like to me. So, Mudrunner is really good. I had a lot of fun with Mudrunner. Plus, the, the, the effects and the physics of the truck going through mud and seeing mud just, just clinging everywhere and these thick globs just choking up your tires and trying to get out of, like, using your winch to get out of situations like that is, is fun. Now, for SnowRunner, there's a lot of customization. You can change the color of your truck. You can also change the tires. Your starter trucks do not have off-road tires. So what happens when you have regular truck tires going through the mud? You're going to have a bad time, just like the guy in South Park. So it takes a long time to do anything with these trucks because of that. If you have to deliver something, it could take you 30 minutes because you're going through the mud. So regrettably, I have to add, say that if you get this game, get the season pass, 
and get the two the one dollar ninety nine truck that's in the PSN or Xbox Live Store or Nintendo Switch Store or whatever, because that's going to save so many headaches. The one ninety nine truck is a is a military truck that will how you get a really nice start on the game. All it, right, now I just want to say that for me, I don't think a game should have to pay. F- that's almost paid to win scenario. I mean, Any, not quite. Else it's, it's, that or no? Just me. It's a it's a pre order game. A pre-order bonus. So, oh, okay. So it's basically I mean, I just, saying for 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 good job for being confident in the game, we're gonna reward you a little bit, make it easier. I will admit. To an extent. Okay, so I will admit, Kalai. So just so you know, uh, when I bought Need for Speed Heat on sale, uh, EA was uh, being a bunch of dicks. So just like EA does, uh, only the deluxe edition was on sale, not the regular edition. So I had to buy the deluxe. Now with the deluxe, though. Just like Roberto's talking about, uh, you get one free game in the beginning, like just like every Need for Speed game. But if you do not buy the Deluxe Edition, whenever you get to certain levels, they give you a free car. Like you get a Corvette, you get a Mitsubishi. But if you don't get that Deluxe Edition, you have to buy a car at those points or put lots of money in your own car, which makes the game way easier uh, with the DLC. So, um, you know, EA is always with that paid DLC, pay to win. Um, Whereas, like I say, I don't know. I would have to play the game with SnowRunner to see how much of a difference it is. But the one question I have, Roberto, is this trying to be more like an arcade racer? Or are we talking more like a simulation where you're, like, really having to make sure that your tire pressure's good and your your everything's, you know, working it's, and you're, like, taking it, three-hour driving? Or is it, like, you're taking 15 minutes, <laughs> kind of more arcade racer, let's just... No, 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 like, you don't have to check tire pressure. I mean, it's it, it has some sim elements. You have to start, you know, release the handbrake, start your engine. Yeah. Uh, you know, tow things, stuff like that. But, like, you know, your tire pressure's fine. It's just, you. there's different tires you can buy. So, but in order to get these new items, you have to complete jobs and objectives. Yeah. And in order you... to complete the jobs and objectives, you need to have a good truck. So... The, the 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 199 military truck isn't is not you're not invincible you're still gonna get stuck in the mud you're not you're gonna have some difficulty because you're going up mountains down mountains um you know going through the muck and things like that and you're not gonna have off-road tires you're still gonna have highway tires but that's just gonna help because it's it's a semi it's a military grade semi that has a lot of torque and a lot of power to plow through so it's not so bad. But, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know yeah. if I can play this. I don't know. I tried to play. I tried to play Mud Runner, and I was like, "I'm bored." <laughs> Mud like, Runner. I just... I'd say play the. I'd say play the tutorial and then play some of the maps. I think your best bet would be Mud Runner, especially because it's on the Switch and it has it had the American DLC attached to it. So, um, this one, Look, it's on PlayStation yeah. now. The Mud Runner is. I'd say just go for it. You know, you can't go wrong, and then. Plus, when you get a good soundtrack going on your Spotify playlist, then the game gets going. It's good. I mean, but, I listen so to death metal, where, so... Well, that's fine. So this is where... That's the negatives out of the way. I think they could have worked with giving you better trucks to start with. The tutorial is good. It explains just about everything. And also, it's called SnowRunner, and then you have to start in Michigan first before you move on to Alaska. And Alaska is the place that's covered in snow. So I think there's a pacing problem. However. This is still a very good game. It's a unique game. You're a freelance truck driver that takes jobs and gets the jobs done. 
You go through the water, you go through the mud, you extricate trucks, you deliver supplies, you fix bridges, you deliver supplies to farms and people who are hurt. You go through all sorts of different terrain. You get to customize your truck and uh, level up. And also the multiplayer community is pretty generous. Like you can just hop into anybody's maps and get jobs done. You get money, you get points, you rank up, and then that stuff unlocks things. So I think just honestly, it's just a pacing problem. I think just the, the, the initial vehicles that you start off with kind of suck. So, um, or, or it's not that they suck, just it would take a long effing time to get even the most basic thing done. Uh, not that the whole game is off-road, but like you, the Michigan has a fictional flood that happens. So you have to go through the tarmac. So you have tarmac, but then you have to go through the mud and the dirt and the gravel. And it's like some of these trucks are not designed to go through, um, you know, water and mud at the same time. It just it's so at least like with the with the bigger military truck, you have more opportunity. So 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 that. quick question for you: When you like uh, get stuck or like have to restart somewhere, do you um? Do you have to re like? Do you have to just redo the whole mission, or do you have to oh, restart, no. or can um, you like order someone in to come tow you out? Or there's a few options. Uh, first up is um, when you have a something active that stays active. If you want to restart it, you can. You also have access to multiple vehicles, and you can recover your vehicle and return to the garage where the garage will refuel and fix up your truck because your truck can get damaged. Uh, and like for example, there's one truck that has differential lock which does something with the wheels and the tires, which is great for off-road, but you can't drive that on the regular road because it'll just overheat or, or mess up the uh, the gears and things like that. Gotcha. Like, um, yeah. Like, uh, it's, it's, it's a, you know, so there's, there's things like that, but, um, you know, or you can get another truck to, to, to winch you out, so it's entirely up to you. So there's that. It's, it's, it's good. I mean, personally, me, I loved Mudrunner. I like this game. I just think that there should have been a focus on Alaska being the big setting and not just Michigan, then Alaska, then you go to Siberia and Siberia is all woodland. And I'm just like, what's the point of calling the snow runner if this is all mud? So it was for the exception of one level. But then again, um, there's probably going to be a, you know, season pass and all that stuff. And there might be more snow stuff. What's Am I the only one that every time I hear the word snow runner, I just think it's about a drug cartel running cocaine through a plowing operation. I think that would be hard, but I mean when I think of SnowRunner, I just every time I think of uh what the frig was that movie called? Um the the war the Jamaican bobsled race. Cool runnings. Ooh, there we go. Or maybe it maybe it's because I've been watching Ozark. Feel the rush. Feel the rhythm. Feel the ride. Get on up. It's bobsled time. I have to act, I actually have the soundtrack to that. It's great. Um, it's a great soundtrack. You, now, should yes. you listen now from your recommendation, should people listen to the Cool Running soundtrack while playing Snow Runner? Is that your best soundtrack yes, to listen to? I would highly recommend that because it's like it's relaxing. That's where I call it my Animal Crossing because even though you're getting stuck in mud and going through tough terrain, there's something really genuinely relaxing when you've got like I can see clearly now the rain is gone when you're going through a wetland carrying fuel for the citizens uh, that they need or food. You know, it's also kind of some of the activities Wait, you do. So I have a question. Do you not like Animal Crossing? I haven't been on in a, in a week. It, it, oh my God. Are you guys giving I, up? What What is this? What is with you guys? I was like the animal, like everyone's like, Corey, you got to buy Animal Crossing, like get in on this shit. And then everyone's like, yeah, well, you know, 
I was playing it. I gotta play. I mean, I gotta play it more. I mean, I'd like to do it in short spurts, but like, I mean, maybe I should like, check I on my buddy. island. I mean, not while we're recording, but yo, maybe like, I should I have check. A buddy, on. he 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 works at the Picatinny Arsenal, and yo, one hundred something hours. I'm like, how do you do this? How how do you do a hundred hours of plucking weeds? I have a friend and that has three hundred hours now. Pluck weeds, Roberto. You don't just pluck weeds. You and gotta... just saying hello to animal people. Anyways, no, you don't. That's um, not, man. You fish. You gotta build your shit. You gotta plant your fruit into your things and do all that. You're like, talking about driving a truck in snow. Yeah, like, okay. And then you're trying right, to talk right, shit about me. Animal Crossing. You got me. I spent six <laughs> hours on that last week. I even admitted that quarantine was getting me. Okay, I got one more. I have to mention before we move on. That's cool. That's okay. Go ahead, man. Void bastards. Oh yes. Now I would like to say something about this game. Roberto texted me and said, this game is awesome. If it's on Game Pass, you should just totally download it. So I totally downloaded it. I didn't play it, but I totally downloaded it. Yeah, so it's actually going to come on the Switch. So um, if you want to take the note, the dive, um, getting on the Switch, you can. It's called Void, Void Bastards. Bastards. Yes, was originally on Xbox exclusively. It's now heading to PS4 and Nintendo Switch this week. And the game came out today on the PS4. So. It is a great, great FPS procedural generated roguelike. Perhaps one of the best I've played. I don't honestly rank this up with Dead Cells. It's that fantastic. Sounds, that sounds fantastic. I think so, that's like a like a like a genre they haven't really touched with a, a roguelike, like an FPS. Yeah. So here's how it goes. This game takes place in a in a, in a setting that would be befitting the show Futurama. It's a it for so, like you start the game, you have a gun with no ammo, so you know you go through the basics. You're on a ship that seems to be very business oriented. Like you have like an enforcer, and you have to get an ID card and a printer. And I'm just like, what? This is all office lingo. And then you die. Uh, and then it turns out that your backpack kind of records your last like everything you've done in your last moments, and hops on a dropship to this mothership, this ark. The Ark has these clients, and they're all humans that have been turned into powder, kind of like the, the the Batman movie, the not the one Jack Nicholson, the Batman, the one 1966 one. And you get rehydrated to go on certain tasks to get, and your weapons are all called office things, like your shotgun is called a stapler, and your remote bombs are called the bushwhacker, and. You have to get your flak jacket's called like the bedding something. It, it's it's there's all these different like office things, and then you have a polite like a very polite AI that's like malevolent but like very like polite like oh you know we are sorry that your ship is not up to janitorial standards. The client before you uh, met an untimely end, you know, or something like that. Or it, so here's how it works: the roguelike part. Well, this game looks beautiful. Holy crap! Yeah, it's so yeah. That's the first part. The game has a graph is made in Unity and it has a graphic novel uh, presentation. It's an excellent, pre- probably one of the sharpest presentations I've seen, because the game reminds me of like an old-fashioned FPS with limited ammuni- uh, animations and limited perspective. But at the same time, the colors really pop the the bright blues, the yellows. Like I said, it feels like a genuine, silly cosmic space odyssey, kind of like Futurama. Uh, like that, I can honestly picture Fry or 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 Leela being in the game. 
they're not, but that, that it just it feels fits right into that level. Next up is the fact that the the enemies are all uh, they're all formerly humans or formerly clients, but the nebula that you're in has mutated their DNA, so now they're all like monsters. So uh, they all shout you know things to you. They're rude. They're nasty, or they're kind of horrifying, and they try and you know destroy you. So your objective is to go through the nebula to all these ships. Now there's hundreds of ships literally in one run. You don't have to go to every one of them. But if you go to one, you have the best thing you can do is loot it. Loot it for everything. Some of the items that you collect will be used to upgrade items and weapons. This is essential. But also there's quintessential items related to the story. Like the the first objective was to get a printer and an ID card to get a registered ID card. And then the ID wasn't reg- wasn't validated. So I had to get a computer to validate the ID as if I'm working for this corporation or whatever. And uh, it's actually, so it has that sense of humor going for it. And you'll see, you know, you'll laugh at a couple of the things that occur throughout the game. Now, during your voyage, you can get intercepted by pirates. You can get, um, you know, you can come across a mine and get blown up. But the nice thing is that every time you die, the next client inherits everything you've collected. So if you've upgraded your weapons, you don't lose your weapons. They'll just go to the next client. Each client has an attribute that can be positive or negative. Like you can run faster, but maybe you make noise because you say yeehaw or something like that. Um, or you'll just randomly cough or something because you can like you can avoid enemies. You don't have to kill every enemy. It's entirely up to you. But the best thing I could suggest is is looting the hell out of every ship. Because then, you know, you get food and fuel and items to, to be able to use. So it is a great game. It sunk my teeth, it sunk its hooks into me, and I couldn't let it go. So um, it's been, uh, it's an excellent video game, and I would highly recommend that one as well. And that's it for me. What do you guys think? Uh, that sounds like a really fun week. Uh, what about you, Joe? Did you have any interesting games this week? Yeah, so I had a huge one um, that I've been waiting for to drop for a while, and um, that would be Streets of Rage 4. That game all right, is Streets of Rage! Yeah, let's, we can have a roundtable discussion about it, because I think all of us have played it, right? Not yet. Well, I bought it, but not yet. Gosh, I dang it, Roberto. Cool. Oh, so let's, call, let's look how I speak. Hang on. <laughs> well, I actually would never play Streets of Rage 4. It's, I wouldn't buy it, I should say. Because I wasn't sure I was going to like it, but I did download it because it is on Xbox Game Pass. So I got to actually play it as well. I'm not very far in the game, but I can discuss it. Go on, Joe. I have to say, out of all the beat-em-ups I've played like, recently, this is probably the most beautiful you'll play. And it's probably the most well-balanced and has the best mechanics I've seen in a beat-em-up in a long time. Like The combo system is very tight. You can do special abilities that you can link together with your normal attacks. It... I mean, Corey and I had a blast playing this. We sure did. All that Streets of Rage. I've only got to play single player. Is it better multiplayer? So here's the crutch in the whole game. Like, Corey and I were like, we're going to kill this game in multiplayer. And then we get the trophy list and every single trophy is like, beat the game in single player. 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 What? But, but, on the positive side, if you play it with someone else, and someone unlocks a trophy, so, like, there's a trophy for throwing a weapon, and then catching it again, um, if- You get it, too. If, if me and Joe were playing together, and I threw the weapon and caught it, Joe actually gets the trophy as well. 
as I do. Yeah, it's so, a pretty it's a pretty dank system. I was like, oh man, I like well, I can't believe I just said dank. It's a really cool system because I'm 36 and should not be using the word dank. I'm watching way too many Mr. Beast videos. It's been quarantine's been getting to me, guys. I've been watching people. Not to get on a sidetrack, but I've been watching people like put their hand on a car for 17 hours to try and win a million dollars. This is what this is the rabbit hole I've gone down on Facebook and and YouTube. So, <laughs> anyway, if, if straight it makes you if it makes you feel better, Joe, I developed a TikTok addiction. Yeah, I know, oh, right? Geez. So, Streets of Rage Four takes place 10 years after the original game, and the central villains of the game. It's not really a spoiler. Um, the central villains of the game are Mr. X's children. Um, they're the Y twins, and which is the most unoriginal name ever. I mean, yeah, I well, think of when this game was made. It's like 1991. So, Mr. I mean, X, yeah, yeah, we had that. This is back when we had the game say in the year 19XX. Yeah, or twenty x. Yeah, yeah, nineteen x. Twenty xx. That's twenty xx. So, so technically, the game takes place now. Um, it's fast TV when it's like the year is 1999. <laughs> so I can say uh, there's a few positives in this game. Like I said, the combat's really smooth and the game's beautiful. And I know like everyone bitched about like the game not being like traditional sprite uh, uh, sprite based beat 'em up in the vein of like the old Streets of Rage games. Like they use kind of like a modern cell shaded like look to the game, but the game is oh silky smooth, dude, and. Let me tell you, like the combos are amazing. You can combo people and then do a special and then combo them off walls and then continue to combo them. So you can like endlessly juggle people and it's fun as hell. And it's especially more fun when you're playing with multiple people. Uh, it's Kali, it's four player couch co op. I know, but I don't have anybody to play with me. Well, not during the quarantine, but when that shit ends. I mean, you have to have people that own an Xbox too. So, I mean, you're down, you're down two points already. No friends and no people with Xboxes. But anyway, I do, I do, no, I do have friends, but nobody wants to play the game. Joe's just being a savage man today. Uh, but anyway, uh, what are what are some of the negatives in the game? Uh, the trophy list is hard as fuck. I mean, that's not a negative in a sense. It's actually cool because it adds a lot of replay value to the game. The game is packed with replay value. I honestly, I told I told Corey this. Um, I definitely want to buy it again for the Switch, and I'll definitely take the minus because I would definitely play it more on the Switch. And grind out like beating it with everybody, beating it on all the difficulty levels, doing all the boss rushes and all that. But like, there's no trophies tied to it on PS4, so I'm like, fuck it, I uh, beat the game, I'm done. I'm not really no, gonna go back no. and do all that stuff. I would like to add a negative as well, Joe. That I know you and me talked about a bit. Um, it was the negative that the idea that all the characters that are unlockable are just retro versions of all yeah, the characters. That pissed me the fuck off because they have some really cool bosses in this game that I wish you could play as and. They're not. It wouldn't be so hard to add them as like DLC characters, and I think that um, the developers did say that they were going to add DLC characters eventually if the game sold well. And from what I heard, the game sold phenomenally. Um, I know they had a little bit of an issue with the launch, where it was supposed to release at midnight here in the states, but it didn't. Uh, it didn't release. Well, let's let's go back a little bit. The game actually released on a Thursday here in the United States, which is kind of weird because we don't really have like bigger games release on a Thursday. They usually release on either Tuesday or Friday, so I found it kind of weird that it released on a Thursday. But I know that now, even I've noticed lately that a lot of games have been releasing on like just any date now. Have you noticed that change, Roberto? I have. Like, where just games are just coming yeah. out like every day now. 
It, to an extent, yeah. You know, like, even now, there was a game that came out on the Nintendo Switch called uh, Tonight We Riot, and I actually remember playing this game at PAX South 2017 at the New Blood Interactive booth, and now they're with the uh, Mean TV, some kind of socialist-focused uh, network. But in any case, the game just, like, it was supposed to be this highly anticipated game because you lead a revolution to fight against capitalism, and it's, like, pixelated, but... It's, like, cool. It's action. It's arcade. You fight mechs and stuff for a better world. It's based on developers having real experiences with protests and stuff like that. But the game has made, barely made a peep. Yeah, well, and here, that's like, another positive I'll say about uh, the team at .m and their development of Streets of Rage. They kept a lot of shit under wraps for a long time, and they didn't really talk about the game. Every Every convention that I know that... I know the two that I went to the one that they were at and I talked to them and they were like, Hey, I'm like, Hey, when's the game coming? And they were kind of like, you'll hear something soon. It's coming. It's coming soon. And I'm like, what does that mean? And they're like, do you want me to tell you when it's coming and disappoint you if it doesn't come? Or do you want to wait? And I was like, I'd rather wait. He's like, it's well worth the wait. And that's one thing I can say is this game is well worth the wait. If you're, if you're a beat em up fan, if you're an original streets of rage fan, I would say it's worth the $24. I really would like, I know you can beat it in like two hours, but if you really love Streets of Rage, it's phenomenal. Yes. Plus, if you have Game Pass, it's on PC and, of course, Xbox. So if you have it, you can download it for free. You could. I'm so jealous. You could. It's on PS Now. I am fucking jealous because, no, it's not on PS Now. <laughs> I had to pay 24 bucks, but I would gladly do again on the Switch. Uh, yeah, I give, it a, I give it a 4 out of 5 if I'm, if I'm going to rate it. I'm gonna give it a four out of five. I'm gonna say it's a it's a play and not a pass for me. It's I would definitely, definitely play. I would definitely play is, this game and for the, the the idea that they were they they made it that that price point where it's not a full game price point. The other thing too is that uh, for those PlayStation for people, yes, we didn't get on Xbox Pass, but um, for people that do have PlayStation Plus, it is ten percent off. I think for the first week it was out, so maybe. Permanently, it's ten percent off. I have no idea, but yeah, I don't know. Twenty four dollars was a nice price point for that. If I had to pay more than that, would have been kind of pissed. But they put a lot of work into that game, and it's it's gorgeous. Roberto, I would definitely say just jump in and play it, even if you just want to play it with with uh, either Corey or myself. Like we'll definitely run you through it. The game's phenomenal. I'll 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 be. I just I just got over fifty percent of the trophies, so I'm gonna keep playing because I think I can get like seventy percent of it on my own. But like beating it. Yeah, is, but, but be, yeah, but good luck getting on that. Yeah. yeah, have fun. You have to beat a level without getting hit, Roberto. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah, you have to beat a whole level even, without getting hit. Hard one. The hard. And that's one not even the hardest an, one. Yeah, yeah, the hardest one is you have to get an S rank. No, no, no. The beat the arcade one's the hardest. That's you I mean, only get a, like there's one we have to beat two lives. Mode. Yeah, beat arcade mode on S rank. Get an S rank in arcade mode on hard. Yeah, the trophy list is kind of one of those like these trophies can go fuck itself entries. Like I would, I would submit this to like Colin and Greg is like that that beat the game on hard hard arcade mode is is bullshit. Um, I would I will say the story mode is well put together and well crafted, and I love the cutscenes. I love that the the game has a lot of like callbacks to the original three games where you see characters come back from the old games. Um, there's a lot of cameos. There's a lot of um. It takes the property, and it really like, how do I say this? They do a, they do an amazing job of keeping the core of what Streets of Rage was, unlike what friggin' uh, Fighting Force was supposed to be. You guys right. play Fighting Force, right? 
Yeah. Probably not for a long time. You know it's um, you know that was Streets of Rage four, right, Roberto? You didn't know that, right? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's why all the now the biggest thing I have to say is how's the music? Oh, dude! Oh, so good! And then oh, fucking amazing! And then and then Roberto, if you go in the options menu, you can put on the classic music from the old games, which and is you can also awesome. change your your pickups, your item pickups. Like I mean, yeah, change mine to hamburgers. There's a lot of cool things that uh, yeah, they put like, a lot of they put game. a lot of love and care into this game. So like I've never played a Streets of Rage game before, um, just so that everyone knows. And like me coming into it, I didn't know a lot of the characters. I didn't really get a lot of that. But even not knowing anything going into that game, uh, there's so many little things afterwards that you see that's like, oh, that's cool. And it's like it makes you me almost want to go back and play like one, two, and three to real feel like a fan, like Joe. I mean, yes, yeah. actually, I'm, I'm with you, uh, Corey, because I'm in the same boat. I've never played a Streets of Rage game, so 4 was my first, so I wouldn't have gone out and bought it, but the fact that I got it on Xbox Game Pass for free allowed me to try a game that I would normally not try in my repertoire. Keep pouring that salt in that wound. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, for the price point it is right now, it was definitely worth it to play, but what yeah, else did you play, Joe? Or wait, what else Roberto? Did I, what else? Oh, no, Roberto, did you have something like, else? I used to have a radio show back at college, back at Stockton University. I used to play all the video game music, so everything from Tetris to Skyrim. And um, it was fun, cool, because I, when I found out I could play Streets of Rage, I d- dug up into Yuzu Koshiro's, um soundtrack and the fact that he used to be a DJ in Japan. And okay. He put his DJ music to like his skills and managed to like apply that somehow to Sega, to the, to the Genesis, and that's how we got... Some of the best music in video games. So, dude, that, that soundtrack is phenomenal yeah. and it's timeless. I really, right. so I, I want to buy it on vinyl because they exist. I, right. I really would buy them. Um, it's and I don't buy video game soundtracks very often. I would buy that, and I would, I would say, other than this Streets of Rage soundtrack, I would say the best soundtrack I listened to all year was definitely the Final Fantasy VII remake soundtrack. That soundtrack, oh man, phenomenal. Right. And if you haven't so, seen like, cause... that special edition sound soundtrack bundle that they came out with for that. You're missing out. The idea that it's seventy-seven dollars and seventy-seven cents for a nine-disc and one vinyl collection that has every single song on it is just blows my mind. But it's only in Japan, though, right? Yeah. So, like, I just wanted to make sure that because you, you can't have a Streets of Rage game if you don't have the music right. So that's good. But anyways, before we uh, we run on, um, what's the next game that you play, Joe? Um, what else did I play this week? What else? I played uh, more of Jack and Jill DX, which is a Rattalika game. Uh, that n- I I don't think any of you have beaten. I know you probably all platinumed it because it takes like five seconds, but I don't think anybody took the time to beat it. Well, I have almost beaten the game, and he's uh, gonna be the only one that ever has. Yeah, I no one on how to beat has how long to beat has beat this, so I get to set the bar, so they can all go fucking fuck themselves when they tell me it takes two hours to beat because there's no one that has an official time for it. So guess what? I'm gonna enter my time, and then my time is the time. Sucks to be y'all. And there's one anyway. more game, Joe. Actually, I guess well, I'll, I, we'll segue to me. What? Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Who this fucking is? Think this is uh, this is Corey does what he wants hour. And uh, I think the only the, the last other thing that I the last <laughs> other thing, Jesus, my English right now. Um, the the last game I want to talk about today is I. Wait, I just just have to say that you guys are all fucking up your English, and I'm the one that's not even fucking sober here. It's all Margaritaville up in here. Wasting away, getting in Margaritaville. 
all your you just the the margaritas are just coming through the internet and like intoxicating me and Joe. That's what's happening right now. <laughs> it's just coming through. We can just we're just looking at you and just us looking at you. We're like, oh man, we we need to be drunk too. And then like it's just happening naturally. And there was I'm a just... Star Trek episode where like some oxygen content got people like drunk without ever using alcohol. Yeah, it's a good. That's a good episode. That's a really good episode, actually. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So that's probably what it is. But anyway, the last game I played this week was Fire Emblem Warriors. I got back in. I jumped back in. And I was like, man, I don't remember how to fucking play this game at all. And I did the typical Joe thing, Corey. What did I not do? Oh, you forgot to upgrade your character or you forgot oh. to use the, the, the usual upgrades. And then because of that, your character like ended up being really <laughs> shitty, even though you should have upgraded them a long time ago because the game told you to and you completely forgot. Or ignored it because I just wanted to play the game. That's usually it. I just like turn off tutorials at this point because I'm like I know how to do Joe's this. Joe's like I'm, I'm gonna sh- go through Mad Max and oh oh what do you mean you could just like capture the cars and then get all the upgrades for your vehicles because that makes the game so much easier. Hey nope, Corey, what about grind this that level? shit out? Oh what I should do that? Oh I didn't realize I could do that. That's too bad. I thought this no, was I, super I, easy. I, I didn't. So but so anyway. You forgot to level up your character, is that what you did? Yeah, so I forgot to level up my skills in Fire Emblem Warriors, and no wonder why I wasn't able to, like, beat up, like, simple-ass, like, fort, uh, like, fort commanders and shit, and then I turned, and then I leveled all my shit up, and I was wrecking people. I was, was whooping like, ass. I wonder what I should do with these uh, 255 ability points that I have. I think I should spend them all. It's like Joe probably going into, like, if he was ever to play, like, D&D, hey, Clive, Joe would be that guy that you'd, like, at the end of the, the night, you'd be like, okay, everybody, you gained 500 experience, level up your characters, you come back the next week, and Joe be like, okay, Joe, what'd you do with your character? What do you mean? Oh, what do you mean I get to roll a dice to add life to my character every time we level up? <laughs> or add an ability point? I didn't know you could do that. I've been just running level one the entire time. No wonder why I was dying so fast. It's not just because I picked a wizard that wants to go do fist-to-fist-to-cumps battle with the other game that Joe was playing this week. Gosh. Oh, yeah, we could segue into that. That's a good segue point. Um, yeah. You can talk about that, Corey. Yeah, Why don't you Dragon's talk about Crown. What you've been playing? Dragon's Crown. I mean, I've played this game on Vita. I've played it on Fuck PS3. Fuck that game! Let's not talk about this game next. What game? Dragon's Crown? That's what we're playing. I'm talking about. The idea that I have to drag everyone's ass through this goddamn game because everyone's like, hey, Corey, let's you're like the pick you're like the character. tricky mick of dragon quest yeah it's like okay it it literally says pick your character and then when you pick everyone gets a chance to pick your character it tells you how easy they are to play and it says the fighter beginner super easy the elf is like expert everything else is like medium to hard joe what does joe pick the sorceress difficulty level expert and i play with joe and i'm like joe what are you doing you're like, well, I'm killing guys. I'm like, why are you next to them trying to kill something? You're a sorceress. You're supposed to be using range to your ability. And then I guess what Joe did, guys. You want to take a guess what Joe did? <laughs> he forgot to equip his new weapons to his character. Joe's like, man, why is my character just getting beat up and dying so quickly and not doing any damage? Your guy's so good. And I'm like, Joe, how come you're still using the entry level weapons? Goes through the first half of the game using the very starter weapons. Level one, never change. Oh, this is easier, dude. I got like I got like three talismans <laughs> doing that. 
And then it's like, <laughs> and then the best part is, is Joe's like, dude, man, I wish the sorceress was better. She can only use like one or two spells. I'm like, have you got her skill abilities? Joe's like, how do you do that? I'm like, well, you go to the adventure skills and upgrade your skills. You know, like normal people, when you listen to the tutorial that brings you through it, upgrading your skills, which Joe forgot to do. So Joe's level. This is six- what happens when I wait six months and go back to a game to play it. I fucking forget every single mechanic that's involved. I mean, in the, game. the idea. It's that not you- like Final Fantasy, like. Like, it's not like the newer RPGs where I turn it on. It's like, go here now because you're a dumbass and you forgot. I mean, the idea that you, you were level 15 and you still hadn't upgraded your skills at all or, you know, equipped new items, I, I don't believe you. I, I don't believe you one bit. I just think you you just don't know how to... When it comes to, like, any... We're gonna... Like, any type of level... I'm amazed, like, good thing Joe doesn't play, like, MMOs. Otherwise, it'd be like, hey, guys, come and join my party. I need help to go through this raid or some bullshit. And it'd be like, Joe, how come you don't have potions equipped? We can equip potions. Joe, how come you haven't upgraded your skills yet? Aren't you, like, level, like, 99, maxed out your character? You're like, yeah, I just punched a bunch of bunnies in the first stage, like, for, like, 4,000 hours because I thought about doing this the hard way instead of just updating my character. But anyway, Dragon's Crown. For those people who haven't picked this up, this game is amazingly... It looks amazing. I mean, that's why Joe's playing the sorceress. It's not because she's, you know, a good character. Joe picked it for a different reason. Like, like here we are about to all play Dragon's Crown, and we're going to call ourselves the Booty Squad because it's either big butts or big boobs. <laughs> it's pretty much just boobies everywhere. No, I said this before. I play the Amazon. The Amazon has such big thighs that I swear to God she could start a fire okay, so, walking because th- her thighs are up So, Kalai, I don't know if you noticed the name of... Now, I don't know if this is going to banned off everything. Um, I don't know if you noticed the name of what I called my Amazon. Did you notice the name, Kalai? I did not. I was too busy dying. Okay, so the name I have for my characters, it's Broke, uh, the Dash, and then D. Now, for people who can't figure that out, it is it is simplified for broke dick. I thought you were going to say broke back mountain. No, 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 no. Now the reason why I called her broke dick is because um, any I, I've had a thing for years where any type of female character that's bound and muscly, I nickname her broke dick. Now the reason why is because if she if you were ever to have sex with this woman or female, and you were to and she was to orgasm, her orgasm of her muscles would be so intense they would break your dick. Her thighs will crush your penis in, like, five places. That's why she's called Broke Dick. Because her orgasm would just... She would squeeze her thighs and literally break your dick. We're going to need to put a parental advisory content or explicit content warning um, uh, at the beginning of the show. <laughs> oh, we already have it. Don't worry. I took care of that. <laughs> this is why they're... I this know is, my mouth. They, Everybody wonders why Amazons are by themselves. And there's no men with Amazon women. And it's because of this exact reason. They break their dicks and they run away. Or they broke their dicks so bad they all look like women. I mean, I don't know what happens. That's probably what happens. They have to amputate it afterwards because it just loses all circulation and it just falls off. But other than that, um, I've been playing, uh, as I said before, I've been playing Need for Speed Heat. What a great Need for Speed game. Um, I just played a little bit of that. EA. Uh, just, so just in case people want to know, 
Uh, EA, <laughs> makes this game stupid. EA, EA needs to learn how to uh, make mechanics in their game, and you're salty just because just explain because, the story. No, okay, yes, so, explain why you're so salty. Okay, I and you super, don't do it. I will. Okay, I am super salty because EA can't under EA can't build the AI for their games. Their AI sucks. It always has. And so it, just because you can't build good cop AI does not mean that when I'm sitting there in the middle of buttfuck nowhere and you decide that I need to be busted, you're going to throw a cop right beside me randomly that I have to somehow break away from. And then when I, there is a trophy. Now we talk about stupid trophies. There is a trophy that is a need for speed heat to get a million heat in one night. Now, to give you an example, my career heat that I've got throughout playing and beating the game is 5 million. Now, I went through this. I went into tears. There was sweat. There was blood. There were cops randomly showing up when they shouldn't have showed up. And I made a million points. Now, what happened is when I went, I had 1,730,000 points. And I went, and I went into my warehouse to like make sure I banked my million points. When I went to my warehouse... It said that I had made 999,970 points. Why, though? So what EA doesn't tell you, (laughs) because they're a bunch of dicks, is that if you have any collectible that you collect during the night, it gives you rep. It gives you, like, 1,000 points or 30 points or whatever it's worth. I collected a Flamingo during the night which gave me the million points but it tells me i gained a million points but i didn't earn quote unquote a million rep so i earned 900 and 99,000 9,000 and 970 points so i was 30 points short from getting the trophy they fucked me out of the trophy ea needs to just get better at building ai so they don't have to build cheap mechanics where if you have heat of anything above five, that if you pause the game, they literally will spawn a cop in front of you to automatically bust you, and it's a bunch of bullshit, and they need to get better at their game design. If you want to see a video that I put together, because I was so salty, I put a video together using Share, uh, Share Factory on the PS4, and I put it to YouTube, and it's called Cop Bullshit, and it's the only thing that looks like Need for Speed. And you guys you need share. to you need to put that video you need to you need to put that video in the group you have and you the, have and to in the, the game so I didn't la- I've laughed I have not laughed that hard in a long time like it was so bullshit shit, the shit robbed you and it was funny it was funny because of how hard you worked for it and I it, sat just, there gave, for, it just th- th- like people this was 55 minutes of my life trying to get this one trophy and I was swearing like I was He's so irate. mad. He's like, I was oh, so mad. Games right like, now. Joe, Joe was listening to me this entire time, and he's like, "Dude, he's like, you just need to calm down." I'm like, "Dude, you have no idea." Like, I and I, this is during me trying to get this trophy, and then I don't even get it. I was, I was, I'm still salty. Dude, the best was your reaction when the cop came out of nowhere. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah, stupid fucking cop. Anyway, uh, Dragon Ball Z. I played and beat that. Dragon Ball Z Xenoverse Two. Uh, for the money it is right now on the Big in Japan sale, it's worth to pick it up. But by the time by the time you listen to this, uh, that sale's over. So <laughs> too bad, so sad. Um, other than that, 
um, I haven't really been playing much. Um, I'm going to start backlogging my PS3 to get some games done and get some of that new, get some of those points on the backlog beatdown and maybe hopefully get myself past uh, negative. If I can do that, that is good. Um, but I do know, like, I mean, Kalai, you've been playing a lot of games right now to to get into that backlog. And I mean, you've been just taking points. You've just been taking shots. Me and Joe are sitting here just like, we need to catch up to the Kalai. She is a machine. She is finally oiled up and ready to go. And now she's got margaritas. Like, I mean, we're we're all going to have to step aside. And I think she's going to pass all of us. So, Kalai, what did you beat this week in play? Well, I actually uh, went and did the DLC for the Borderlands 2. Get ready to play Borderlands 3 on PC. Um, I've haven't been playing much this week because I've been a little bit busy with work. Uh, I, oh, and I went back to Monster Hunter. So of oh, course I've boy. Been, yeah, exactly. Uh, the Tolkarov uh, is the uh, tempered version of Tolkaroth is out, and I really want to play it. And I have to level up my character to be able to do that. So I've been working on leveling my character. Um, I've also... Actually, Joe, I went back to... Um, oh, shit. Damn, through fucking margaritas. She's trying to, she's trying to, to go through the margarita wall. I am. This is, like, really, really fucking bad. I played Xenoblade Chronicles 2. I got back into that. I'm actually on episode... Uh, I'm sorry. I'm on chapter 8 of 10. I'm almost done the game, Joe. Yeah, but, like... Then then it's, like, the post-game. And then you have Torna. So... It, you have a lot left. Well, I'm still close to beating the game. I just want to say that right now. I mean... That's awesome. Let's look at it this way. Kalai's got Xbox Game Pass, and... I know you have PlayStation now, Joe, and I think that th- this is something to let people know. Talk about backlog beatdown. You want to start getting points in this goddamn thing? You use PS Now and Xbox Game Pass. Like, Kalai's sitting there getting Streets of Rage. She's going to beat it in two hours and not even take a negative point for us for it like me and Joe and Roberto. She's just going to be like, oh, look at that, plus one. Oh, that's really cool. Oh, too bad I didn't have to, like, you know, buy the game. Damn it. I hate myself. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I've been like dabbling, like I said, with Streets of Rage four. Um, I really, really haven't been playing as much as I would like to, because again, I got into Monster Hunter and started playing that again. And then on Sunday, my sister's really into the Jackbox Party Pack stuff, so I I did host a game of that. And apparently, our um, landscapers cut the uh, Wi-Fi connection. In our area. <laughs> yeah. So we had problems with Wi-Fi on Sunday. So I wound up just watching some So what games did you play on the Jack Park Jackbox Party Pack, if you don't mind me asking? We got number six. The latest. Oh, oh how are the games on that? Can you can you talk a little bit about uh Party Pack Six? I can. So I love the murder game. The murder murder party that one's my best murder party trivia i think is my funnest game on the first on like the first version of that is probably one of my funnest games to play 
Yeah, I love that game too. Um, I used to play that with one of my clients that I used to work with. That's highly inappropriate, but we still played it anyway. I'm not a fan of any of the other games. We played a social experiment where you like picked something that they would give you like perfumes, and you would pick which person you thought would match that perfume. It was really freaking weird. Okay, I don't so even get so it. I played that as well. Now, I, just because I did play the sixth uh, one with my brother. Uh, when I was visiting with them, um, I did play the social experiment. Um, it's actually quite interesting on how it all works. It's the idea that everyone of your f- the problem I think I think with the social experiments is it has to be done physically with the people. Like you have to be sitting beside them. Doing it over the internet doesn't really work. But like for us, um, I guess it depends on what you get. Like ours was a uh, what Willy Wonka kid would you be? So, like, who would be the person that got blown up into the blueberry? Who would be the person that got uh, turned? I'd be Augustus Group. Like, who would? And then, and then everybody votes on who that person would be. So, like, Violet Beauregard. We played together. Like, okay, it'd be like, okay, so say Joe says he would be the 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 kid that goes in the TV, and I would say that Mike TV. Hell yeah! And I would say that Joe's gonna be the kid that gets turned into a giant blueberry. Now, if Joe gets the most votes votes for the kid that gets turned on the TV, then he acquires that as his personality. And then at the end of the game, it basically takes everyone's personality together and then one person wins, which is, I don't know, to win that game seemed really weird. Exactly. And then we played the one on the cruise ship where you're a comedian, which I didn't, we didn't find as fun. Did you? Um, with the comedian one, the part that I found I found fun about that was the comedian one. It really comes down to the point of you have to make like you really have to make those jokes that are just like really crude. Like like one of my, one of mine was um one of my jokes was my 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 love life is like Abraham Lincoln because it's dead. Oh, wow. So, like, you have to, like, make these really bad jokes. Like, I can't remember what my, my brother had one about Hitler. Like, it, Was it, Kathy it was in the room fun. when you told that joke? Yeah, it was fun, but it wasn't, like... I have to admit, it wasn't my most favorite game. I think the problem, I think the problem that runs into a lot of those games, like the, the comic one and the uh, social one, is that it takes so much time to do the objective itself that it takes away from the game. Like, the reason why I think Quipitch, Quiplash and Fibbage are so much fun is because it's like, you're thinking of a word. Or you're thinking of something. Dude, Fibbage, is, like... Fibbage is my favorite. Out of all the games, I like Fibbage. And I like... Um... Quiplash? Yeah, Quiplash. Yeah, Quiplash but, but is that, cool. And like I said, I think the reason why those games are the most popular is because it's like, oh, uh, name something that da 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 you, you just earworm's cool too. The one where the one where you have the little the earworm one. The what one? The one where like you have to you answer a question and everyone has to guess what the what you said or whatever. Or oh, I don't remember the name of it. I don't know. I I think the only other the one that uh, the only other one that's real funny that I found is uh, the t-shirt one. There's a t-shirt one. So is there's that a, a t-shirt one? one. No, it's in the. Th- third one i think but there's a t-shirt one now the cool part about it is is that the reason why it's so much fun is because at the end of the game the t-shirt the way it works is there's a phrase 
that everyone types in and then there's a picture that someone makes and at the end of the game it's basically everyone's voted on a phrase with a picture and it matches together to make this t-shirt at the end of the game you can take the chance to buy the t-shirt and i think that's what makes that's it weird but you can get t-shirts that like like uh like my brother had the the saying was butts are the best weapon and then my brother had drawn someone that was bent over getting fucked. <laughs> so it said the t-shirt was butts are the best, we- best weapon and there's this person bent over. Uh, How is that appropriate for our, we- our podcast? Oh, it's totally not. It is, because it's butt stuff. I mean, this is the, right. this is the Intoxicated Kali podcast. Yeah, it's butt stuff. Right. See? All right, we've been, go- we've been going for an hour, so let's move on to the topic of the show. So... Jeff Keighley this week announced that he is going to be doing the Summerfest 2020, which is basically his version of E3. Uh, they're going to be going through May to July, I believe. Is it called Summerfest? Uh, I thought it was called ga- uh, Games of Summer or whatever. No, it's actually called Summerfest 2020. They changed the name. Or someone came up uh, with the random name. You know what? We, we listened to IGN, have- Joe. It's we gotta stop listening to IGN. They just sometimes they come out with the news and then we have to read something else. Just you gotta listen to us. We we Kali knows the shit. We just mess it up. Okay, so the event will include many developers, including Sony, Microsoft, CD Projekt Red, Square Enix, Bethesda, and that's just a short list of all the developers that are joining this. Uh, Month long, month and a half long event. Oh wait, so Sony's going to grace us with their presence during this? So is that now? Here's the thing. I mean, I've heard that Sony's going to reveal the PS5 on June the fifth. Does this mean that Jeff Keighley is going to be part of this? Possibly. Because if that's going to happen, he, that means we're not going to have that boring guy that keeps on revealing oh. the PS5 or talking I about. I don't want to be rude here, but let her answer the question. <laughs> I mean, ask the question. Ask the ask, yeah. I mean, the beer's getting to me, but let Kalai continue. (laughs) The other thing that they're doing, which is pretty damn amazing, is they're going to be offering playable demos of all the games they're going to be announcing. So you'll be able to play the games. Yeah, just as if you're in a PAX East. You'll be able to download them on Steam and Xbox. Wait, no. I think you you misread that. Can you please repeat the consoles that uh, you get to play these demos on? Xbox and Steam. Anyways. Okay, I think I think that this moment of silence actually needs to stay in the podcast because <laughs> that that awkward pause is because it needs to be there. Yes, PS4 has not signed on for the demos. So you will get the experience that me and Roberto have got Roberto have gotten by going to a pack piece by playing the demos that are readily available to us and trying games that are not released yet. So, Roberto, what do you think of this Summerfest? This is, um, well, I mean, we have to accept that we are in a brand new reality that we never anticipated. A reality that is sedentary, a reality that centers on the home, a reality that centers on our digital devices, our computers, video game systems, laptops, the internet at large. Like, I can't, if, if, like, God forbid that this thing happened 30 years ago with no internet, we'd be going blockers. Forget it. But in any case, this is a very good forward-thinking opportunity 
for a new age where we may not have conventions. You know, like right now, conventions left and right are being canceled to, or postponed. And even the ones that are postponed, we don't know how they're going to be. Too Many Games, for example, was just postponed to September. Seattle is still going to have PAX West, but I think it's going to get canceled, even though they say it's still going forward. Because I just can't imagine 30,000 people practicing social distancing and going to play video game demos and things like that. So this could be the beginning of something new. Maybe something that E3 always wanted to be. An ability to pass on games and, exclu- and that, that, that sensation of exclusivity towards the gaming masses at large. And the ability to share and all the unique games that are being released and give people a chance. One thing I'm hoping in this generation, that in this moment right now, is that as video games are now more important than ever and release dates kind of get shifted around, I'm hoping that this is giving a lot more opportunity for people to explore smaller, lesser known games and take a, take a chance on $15 or $10 and they might find the game they were always looking for, whether it's a visual novel, a twin stick shooter, an RPG that lasts only 10 hours. But uh, the point is, is that that's what I'm hoping for. So this could be a really big game changer. And uh, I would be surprised if like with PAX West supposedly going forward, they just say, yo, we'll just, we're going to just do this for this year. And maybe next year, and then once they get a vaccine now for coronavirus, we'll go back to regular, but we might want to implement this for the long term. Because the point is, is to reach more people, reach more gamers, and celebrate the different games out there. Uh, what do you think, Eli? Um, I think it would actually be a better opportunity for the smaller studios. Because if you get your game into more hands, more people are more likely to to buy or pre-order that game once they play the demo. I mean, they get a larger audience from PAX East, PAX West, E3. But that audience doesn't compare into the millions that can download it on Steam and Xbox. And to be perfectly honest, I'm really hoping PS4 does jump on board with this because, again, this isn't about console wars. It's about getting the games into the hands of the consumers and helping those little studios. So I think this will be awesome. I think what Jeff Keighley is doing is going to be amazing. I am going to be a little disappointed because I do like to play the drinking game that every time he says world premiere, take a drink, which will now be hmm, put out over a whole bunch of months. So the real question is, that means how long are you going to be an alcoholic for then? Exactly. What about you, Joe? What do you think? I think this has a lot of um, upside, but I also think there's things I'm concerned about. First, I'll talk about the upside. I think, like, yeah, like you guys said, you can reach a lot of people doing this, and it'll be much easier to consume being over four months than being over, what, seven days or six days, however long E3 is now. How long is E3 now, Roberto? Like, a year? It seems like it's forever, so. Yeah, E3 happens every June. No, but I, I, it feels like it feels like it's like it feels like it's longer than it really is. But this will this will make it more bite sized and more consumable. I, I think, um, I, I think it, instead of having to sit through an hour conference where I have to listen to them drone on about shit I don't want to buy, now I can be like, all right, I can only watch the stuff I want to watch because I don't have to sit through a presentation to get to the stuff that I want to. I, I honestly enjoy. And now I'll talk about the downside. Um, you're missing Nintendo. You're missing Sony. They want nothing to do with this. Nintendo said they're not announcing anything until at least the fall. Nothing. Sony, Sony's in this. 
Yeah, Sony is in this. Oh, I'm sorry. So- Sony's, Sony's, in- Sony's just not getting the demos. Sony's not getting demos, but Nintendo is nowhere to be found, and they've pretty much said it as, as a company, they're not doing anything until this is over. Like, they're not releasing any news, they're not talking about anything. Like, anything that was already planned for this year is still in development and still moving forward, but as far as, like, any new announcements, they said they're not announcing anything until the fall. They canceled They canceled their uh, Nintendo Direct for June, which I don't know if you guys knew that. Did you guys know that? I mean, I'm looking at news that Nintendo has reportedly canceled their Nintendo Direct for June, but that's by bleeding cold news, and the only people reporting that, and reportedly means rumors. Um, this, um, does not indicate that such a thing, you know, and then there's another thing called Slash Gear that says, Nintendo, which I never, a website I never heard about five days ago, Nintendo's usual June Direct may be a no-go. So I would honestly have to say that as of right now, um, rumors are rumors, reports are reports, nothing is confirmed until it's confirmed, and I would have to say it would be f- silly for, for Nintendo to go the next five months without a Direct. So um, I agree. I, I wholeheartedly that. agree, but I think that's that's the way that their company is structured and the way they care about their employees and people. I don't think that they're going to announce anything during this. I really don't. And they have a lot of like big games to announce. Like apparently they're doing this like whole 35 years of Mario thing. And they're just shutting it down. But apparently. in any case, to maintain the focus on the con- topic of the conversation, um, I think that it's still going to be very important. And Nintendo has always been the kind of company to just do their own thing anyway. So I agree. Uh, I, I mean, they were the that, first to back out of E3. Right. So I think that just... they. I think we will get a direct. They just don't want to say anything. Um, but the point being is, is that this is going to be a means to try and celebrate games digitally from all these publishers and developers and then now it's a known fact that according to forbes and wall street journal video games have now become extraordinarily important for maintaining sanity throughout the home as long as this pandemic continues so like oh but they're an illness yeah but now like but now it's like it's really been highlighted considering <laughs> now it's okay considered yeah, yeah. <laughs> well the thing no, yeah, um, I know. roberto they're, what do you think about the whole idea of like this can open up like more talk and more like conversation with developers i think that's what i'm really going to take away from this whole games of summer thing is we're going to get more direct contact with developers than we ever had before and we're really going to get more deep dives on some of these games i don't think we're just going to get lazy announcements i think he's really going to try and do something special with this and i think what his main goal here is he's going to prove his point of why he backed out of e3 in the first place this year and i think he's going to render e3 pointless and there will be no more e3 after this year I don't think I it's going to exist no, anymore because I don't so think it will need to. What's going to happen is that there's always been the process of trying to break down the barrier between user, regular everyday gamers, and the developer, and try and find common ground communication, which has never happened before. There, in the old days, it was like you get a game, if it's good, it's not good, whatever. You have no means to really say anything about it um, because you know you only have the TV and newspapers and maybe, like, you know, fan clubs, but that's it. No, I agree. Now you have an opportunity to learn about a game and learn the backstory about a game and learn how it was developed and built and what led to the creation of what you see before you. And then, of course, demos and things like that. So I think that E3 E3 is going to hold on as much as humanly possible. It's been canceled this year because of everything going on. I think, honestly, next year we'll get another E3 because it's the ESA. They're going to do what they got to do. 
I think it'll be closed doors. If it does come back, it goes back to being closed doors. And I think this game of Summer's thing, if it's successful, will be the new mainstay for a public consumption of E3. Even right. if it's just through that medium alone, I think E3 should go back to being closed doors. I do. I think it should be just media and publishers, and that's it. Like I don't think anybody right. else should be there. It makes the- what do you think? Yes, Kalai, your point. I think Joe is right because with this summer of Games Fest, first of all, you're reducing your overhead. It's expensive to produce E3. Second of all, you're getting your games into more hands, which is what you want to do. You want to have people play your games. That's the only way these indie games get produced, get coverage, get sold. Yeah, so, I think it'll be interesting, Clyde, because like you can have like drops. Like, okay, you saw our you saw our preview of XYZ. Well, guess what? It this one's out for demo today. This one's comes out for demo next week, and this one's available right now at a reduced well, price. I do, I do have to tell you. That right now the playable demos are like June sixth through the June fourteenth. It's a two week period. Oh, that's interesting that they're gonna lump them all into like a two week period. I'm yeah. wondering if they're doing that to have a demo period and then those games will be released later on in the summer. I don't think so. I just think that they wanna give us everything at once to just be like, here's everything. You have two weeks to download and play. So they can track stats of which games are more popular. Well, That's an interesting point. I think it's also that they have a two-week period because if they said, "Hey, the games are going to be available from, you know, the start of June till end of July or whatever," that just makes it so that there's no urgency to play those demos. Giving it two weeks makes it so that if you're wanting to play that demo, you have to make sure that you play it in that period. Otherwise, you don't get a chance. It's not going to be like a hey, I'm going to play this demo and get to play it for however long, right? So, like, with the way this is going, I mean, the neat thing I think about this is that it's Jeff Keighley just really showing how much power he has in the industry. Like, he went and basically we had the VGAs, and, you know, he's kind of taken over that. And, I mean, he's got enough contact with enough developers that he's able to do this as an individual. It's not like he's sat there and went, oh, well, I've you know, we've got a conference center, we've got this. He is reached out, obviously, independently or vice versa through someone that he knows or whatever, but he's ended up booking these appointments with all these developers to do social distancing of releasing things. And I agree with Kalai. It's great that we're going to probably see a lot of small devs be able to uh, put out games or be able to talk about games that usually wouldn't be able to um, because they can't afford that E3 space or that Gamescom space or something like that. Like, this is really um a great way to put out things and i mean i'm hoping what this allows it to do is that maybe we see more developers just naturally come out with this or come out this way because the problem is i see a lot of where the issue runs in with like we have roberto talk about all these indie games all the time and in all honesty 90 percent of the time he talks about them we don't know what he's talking about and it's because there's just not enough backing behind these guys I mean, what you've been seeing lately, I and I know Roberto can attest to this too, because he watched them last year. Um, you had like Devolver Digital and like um, Limited Run Games have their own press conferences at E3. And I think it really showed that some of these indie developers that do have like a broader like like development cycle of games and a larger repertoire of games that they can bring into a conference, they can have their own event if they do it 
through like a press conference, through like a pre-tape uh, press conference. I think it. Re- I think that format really works out. Nintendo really laid the found foundation for that, but I think other companies have have run with that. Wouldn't you say the same thing, Roberto? Yeah, like I think honestly, like a twenty minutes, like even oh, I'll put it this way: there's a game, there's a couple of sort of called QB Games. They had their own little ten minutes erect. It was good. It was just showing games that they're releasing, and that's really what it is, and games that are coming in uh, over the course of the next couple months, and I think it was very effective. I mean, Bethesda could definitely run, like, maybe a 30-, 40-minute presentation of games that are in development, games that are being made, games that are going to be coming out, Um, how Starfield looking, how is the next Elder Scrolls looking, like, is Elder Scrolls Blades going to come out to the Switch, which was supposed to come out in fall, and it's not out yet, you know? Um, It's coming. I kind of want, like, what are the exclusive features for playing Blades on Switch versus mobile when it came out on mobile back in 2018? You can play it on and the Switch. That's the feature. Yeah, it's... <laughs> <laughs> Surprise, <laughs> Rita. So, like, there's a lot of that that's in, that's in effect that I think that should be explored. But, but, but back to the point, I think that everybody can, can launch something. But at the same time, being able to be in that spotlight does help for smaller people who don't have the budget or the capability to have that marketing and, 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 and visibility. So I and it gives the power back to the developers, right? It gives the power back to the developers. The developers can look at this and be like, guess what? We don't need E3. E3 needs us. E3 needs the games. Well, it's about the games. Stop making about all the celebrity appearances there. Stop making it about like all the tournaments. Like it's about the games. Like I want to know what's coming out. It's well, like how Comic-Con has lost its way. It's not even about comics anymore. Like, I'm not trying to have a side tangent here, but, like, all these conventions lose their way eventually due well, to the I mean, fact that there's so much money involved in them. That's, like, I mean, right. you think about it is, like, even Sony, like, I think a lot of the reason why they pulled out is because it's, like, okay, how much millions of dollars does it cost us to have this conference? Whereas we could just do something on our, like, Nintendo did it. It's, like, okay, we can just have our own thing where we play the same trailers we play at a conference. Do it on Sony's a video like, on the internet, <laughs> and then literally make, and then not pay the two to three million dollars to sit there and have a conference for one night. Yeah, true. And like everyone, Sony's like, guess what? Y'all hate our state of plays, so we're just not gonna make any more of those because they suck. And we always put out these games that half people don't even want to play. So I mean, at this point, like Sony needs to figure out what they're doing again. Period. I think because they're king, sh- they're on they're on top of King Shit Mountain right now. That they think they're better than everybody else, and they don't even try anymore. It's getting it's getting disgusting, honestly. Like it, it reminds me of like back when the PS2 to PS3 era started, and they were like, "Oh, we're untouchable," and they're they're kind of at that place again. And I I hope that I hope that they come back to earth before it's too late, because Microsoft is gaining ground quickly. Game Pass is kicking ass and taking names, and it's 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 made me want to try Game Pass on my on my laptop. And if I like it, I might buy an Xbox because. Honestly, it's it's a value. It's but but anyway, getting back to to the summer the summer games. Like I think it's going to be a really cool event. I'm psyched for it. It's going to be crazy because instead of covering like a week of E3 and being like, hey guys, there's one week. It's going to be really cool for us because we're going to have something to talk about every single fucking week in the summer on the show. How cool is that, guys? Or we could do it every live. Week in- yeah, we could do live reactions. That's something we could we could visit. Roberto. We this is gonna be like a gold mine for this show, honestly. I'm I'm excited. Are you excited for this, Roberto? I'm hype. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, right now there's there's this interesting 
and weird dynamic that we've never experienced before that a lot of people staying home, but a lot of games that are in development now have to encounter the fact that um, these games are being made while at home. There's or very limited capability inside an office, and uh, some games are slated to be released, some are not. And how are people coping with that? How are people coping with the mental stress that it is to work from home and knowing that your office is now your bedroom and you True. have to develop assets to a game that's not out yet? What kind of cut will this produce your, too? Your, you know, and like Roberto, um, will this will this destroy a lot of games that were in development? Like, will this take away a lot of the end of this console cycle? And they'll be like, fuck it. We're not releasing this now because guess what? The new consoles are like four months away. No one's going to play this shit. Okay, well. Like, we'll, we'll just wait off now. Here, here about. Wait, wait, wait. How wait, about this? Wait, I want to. Oh, go ahead, Clyde. I want to table that. I want to table I want to table that discussion because that might be an entire i was gonna make a point on the idea we talk about this this summer we talk about we've really talked about how this makes developers it, it's a more cost effective for developers to to do this type of uh conference over doing a physical conference now the thing i see is right now everyone's trying to figure out a way to get the games in players hands obviously we've seen a lot of sales come up lately now what do you guys think and i don't know this could be might be rare who knows if it actually happens but with developers saving so much money right now, not having to do these massive conferences, do you think that could affect the price that they, the price point that we see released of new games? I want to laugh right no. now, no. but I don't think that's nice. So you don't see like a game going from like, hey, Streets of Rage being twenty five bucks. Uh, so when they start, when they charge twenty dollars for me to wa- for my, me and my daughter to watch Trolls from my couch, I'm gonna go with a no. They don't even give us a discount on digital games yet. You think they're going to give us a discount on? But on look anything? at the sales. No, though. but look at not. the sales. Like, look at the sales we've got right now. We've got more sales in the last three weeks on the PlayStation Network. And not on true. Steam, and on no. Steam and on Le- Steam than we have had in months. So we could get into a debate about this. And busy a whole other show, Corey. But this is the exact time when all these sales have been going on normally. We're in sales season. It's it's yeah, but right after you're right after Easter. Be- you're in spring. Yeah, this would but all been regular between, sales time. Yeah, but the difference, like PlayStation. Okay, so last year there was maybe, maybe not in the big sale in Japan, but the 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 sale they're having right now, the under twenty sale. The idea that there's over a hundred games on that list is way more than there was last year. And and that's where I see the difference. There's a lot of developers that are like, we need to get people right now. There, so as, as there, a beha- as a behavior analyst, uh. I need data to support your your claims here. Fine, I, I will find any, I will so. find this data and I will I will bring it to next week's show and I so, will do Roberto, that. Roberto, closing comments, summer games. I know you're hyped. Uh what do you think? Do you think it's going to be successful? Do you th- you think this is the thing that's going to stay? Do you think Keeley has enough clout to pull all this off without a, without a hitch? Like what are you thinking? Final thoughts. I think there will be some hitches because it's just, once again, like, everybody's working from home. Everybody's working from different parts of the world. Like, how do you assemble something from Bethesda that is coming from Bethesda, Maryland, and then make sure that it's properly sent and properly displayed in California, which I assume this this event will take place. But um, I think that it'll be a game changer. I hope that... It also gives rise to giving more visibility to smaller games. And also that it's uh, definitely a very unique thing. This might be the way uh, 
a means to announce more games in the future. It's not going to remove conventions overall. I think that honestly, we're, that 2021, we will have packs again. We will have packs east and west and things like that. Uh, once people have a better handle of what's going on, and hopefully there's a vaccine or treatment deployed for the coronavirus. But uh, this is a very ambitious thing. And I am personally very happy and excited and just to see what, what happens. Like, we are in uncharted waters right now, without a doubt, with everything going on. This has never happened to anyone in the history of humanity in any generation whatsoever. So there might be things that happen that are successful and things that might fail. But the biggest risk is not taking one. So I'm all in for this. How about you, Fly? What's your, What's final your thoughts? opinion on this closing thought? Uh, my closing thoughts is I think this is going to be successful. And I think going forward, many uh, developers are going to take advantage of this. And I think it's going to be a recurring event. Because first of all, you got indie developers that are on low-cost budgets to get their game out there, which is really, really nice for them. Also, you have place people like Microsoft and Sony getting their product out there again with low budget. They don't have to pay for storages. They don't have to pay for moving all of their stuff to a convention floor. They don't have to pay for staff. So I think this is going to be very popular. I don't think it's going to replace E3. I think E3 and the Summer Game Fest will run side by side because, again, it's going to get more games into people's hands, which is really what you want as a developer. Joe? Corey? Actually, let's go to Corey. Let's go to Corey. I talked enough. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, closing comments for me is, yeah, I think, once again, this is a positive push, especially with the situation going on right now. This is a great positive push into the right direction. Um, I think it would have been a really sad year if all of a sudden we had no E3, no Gamescom, uh, no PAXs, and all of a sudden there was no announcements from anyone. Um, I think that would be really upsetting. And I like the idea that they're still offering the idea of, even though us Sony players don't get it right now, um, of demos and stuff and being people able to really get their hands in there. And the other thing is, too, is this might push other developers or other companies to go, hey, look, uh, we're not part of Jeff Keighley's thing, but here's a demo or, you know, this is a new trailer for us. So. I'm really hoping this kind of changes the industry in the positive. I really do think that E3 is still a thing, but I think we might see it change from being maybe just three giant press conferences and that's about it, maybe. Who knows? Uh, only the future will tell with that. So, Good step in the right direction. Did you have anything to add, Joe, or should I go to closing the show? No, you can definitely close out the show. Thank you so much. If you do like us, please subscribe and rate us. We have a Twitter. It's GameStuffCast. If you'd like to talk with us, check us out on Facebook. We are GameStuff Podcast. Just ask for an invite. We'll, we'll accept you as long as you're nice, which I'm sure you are. We have a Patreon page. It's patreon.com forward slash Proving Gamer. We also have merchandise. We have really cool sweaters, mugs, t-shirts, mouse pads. Though I don't know who uses a mouse pad, but hey. If you'd like to get in touch with this, I'm Kalai21, that's K-A-L-A-I, the number 21, on Twitter. Uh, we have Roberto at Jehuti88, that's J-E-H-U-T-Y-88. We have uh, Joe at Mr. TMNT, that's capital M-R, capital T-M-N-T-84. We also have Corey, 
All social media is the Grounded Gamer. Double D, no E. We are sponsored by Amazon. Just go to provengamer.com, click on any Amazon link, and do your shopping like normal. It does help out the site, and it doesn't cost you any money. We are also partnered with Humble Bundle, and we support the charity Extra Life. You can find everything in our show notes, including the link to our merchandise store. So that way, if you're driving, you don't have to worry about writing this down. So you can go do all your PC shopping, your Switch shopping, and get cheap games, and it does help out Extra Life. Um, if you like our show, check out the Trophy Horse and, of course, PG Spoiler. And I want to thank Isaac Sago for making our logo and the band Take Away the Ugly. All of their links are in our show notes. So thank you for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode of GameStop. May the force be with you, everyone. Stay safe, stay well, wash your hands. Use hand sanitizer and uh, be good to each other. It's happy Cinco de Mayo. Talk to you guys later. Play games together and keep busy. Hey guys, just keep loving gaming, alright? Talk to you later. Bye.